they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome and thank you for joining us here at the Bible with the Barbers. Before we begin and do the readings for the Mass, I want to invite you tonight to the Sacred Heart Chapel. Now, normally on Tuesdays, my wife has her Bible study, but she's acquiescing to something, a higher power, which is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And we're celebrating on the 22nd of each month the Melkites who rent from us here at the chapel at our center. At 7.30 tonight, on every single 22nd of each month, they have a mass in honor of St. Charbel. They bring the relic of St. Charbel. They anoint everybody. They do the anointing of the sick. It's just a beautiful mass. We'd love to see you there. If you're in Southern California, it's worth a drive. But, Mom, you're still going to be doing your Thursday uh, Bible study here at the chapel at 1 o'clock? That's correct. There's no funeral or anything? In? Okay. No funeral. Okay. We had one last night, but... Okay, so I want to uh, encourage you to open up your, your Bible. If you have a missile, it's the readings for today's Mass. And so I'd like you to uh, take it from there, Mom. All right. It's Tuesday of the second week in ordinary time. And um, we have from the Gospel of Mark in Chapter 2, Mark 23 through 28. So if you don't actually have a missile, you can follow along in your Bible. Catholics, you know, they read from the Bible every time really? they go to Mass. Strange oh. thing. They hear the Bible read to them every day. Strangest thing. <laughs> you know, as Jesus was passing through the field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read, read what David did? When he and his men and were hungry, mm-hmm. how he went into the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priests were allowed to eat and shared it with his companions. Then he said, the Sabbath was made for man, mm-hmm. not man for the Sabbath. This is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees that they're looking at the externals. Mm-hmm. They, they get caught up a lot in the externals. And here, it's interesting because what had happened is, you know, God gave us commandments, all right? And the Jewish rabbis and, and leaders had added to those things so that there were a lot of additions. And, and what they did is, you know, the, the Lord said, keep holy the Sabbath day because you're supposed to set that, side, uh, that day aside to worship the Lord. So you aren't supposed to harvest. You're not supposed to plant. You're not supposed to be milling and doing all those normal things that you would do during the six days on which you're given to work. Sure. So what did the apostles do? I mean, they're just, they're just walking through a grain field and picking off because they're hungry. You know, they're, yeah. they're picking off little grain. It's like, you know, walking by the grapevines and picking off some grapes and eating them. Well, um, the Pharisees had gotten so, uh, they added so many regulations that actually what the, what the apostles are being accused of doing by the Pharisees, they're harvesting. Why are they harvesting? Well, because they're picking off grain heads, but they're only picking off one or two to eat, um, but they're harvesting. Can't do that. And then in addition to that, by cracking the shells and breaking them open, now they're milling. Yeah. So now they're harvesting and milling on the Sabbath. And it's like, seriously. Um, and are we doing that in our own life? And these things are all, we have to ask ourselves the questions. Are we getting so picky and caught up in the externals yeah. that we're forgetting that our heart belongs to God? Mary, we, we know in the Old Testament when Jesus gave us these teachings about uh, the Sabbath, uh, God didn't need to rest on Sunday. That's not why he did it. <laughs> That's a joke, okay. I know. Right. We do. We do. We do. And the purpose of that Sabbath is to spend time with the Lord. Amen. We're supposed to enter into his rest. Sunday isn't a day that I can just go out and spend my time being um, 
you know, entertaining myself with sports or movies or, you know, it's not like, oh, this is my day off work. I can go and spend the day watching, you know, sports games or watching the TV or, you know, no, we're supposed to be spending the day with the Lord because we need, man needs. Sabbath was made for the man because the man needs to enter into the rest with the Lord. He needs to spend time with the Lord and be filled with God through prayer. And it sounds to me about recharging our batteries on Sunday. Yeah. If think about, I know you, if you're a man like I am, we work, I work six days a week, okay? And it's a lot of energy expressed each day, meeting people, talking to people, putting things together. And to have that Sunday that's a family day yes. where we can have a barbecue with the right. family, we get into conversations. Right. Uh, so this to me is special. And I would just encourage you, sometimes we can get carried away with trying to make money. Yes, we can. You know, because we want we want to make sure that you're taking care of Mary Danielle and my kids are taking... You know, I get all that. I take that responsibility. Right. But in my humble opinion, I would rather be living a little more modest if that meant uh, not having a second job. In other words, I, you never see me. Right. We just have to live a little lower on the, you know, beans and cheese or whatever. But <laughs> my point to you is... I think we have to evaluate that because the world is so pressured on us to have things, right. conveniences. Right. And I think that sometimes that can become a distraction. I think it does become a distraction. And we need to really examine ourselves and ask ourselves, how much have we let the world invade our life and our relationship with God and our family? That's a good question. Remember, we're all members of a family and we're supposed to be building the kingdom of God here on earth. By bringing Christ into everything that we do and making sure that everything that we do is in line with the Lord and his will and that it it makes people aware of his love and his presence and his goodness and his mercy and his care for us. And it seems to me, Mary, before we get into our Gospel of Mark Bible study for this particular reading, what seems to me is that an examination of conscience can keep you focused during the week, a, a nightly examination, right. so that the next day you can always do better. Exactly. And, and two, we don't leave the worship of God to Sunday. It shouldn't just be Sunday. Mm-hmm. If the only day we spend with God is Sunday, you know what? On Sunday, you're going to find a really hard time spending the day with the Lord. It's true. Because you don't know him. And when you're with people you don't know, you're kind of uncomfortable and you're distracted and you want to get away from it. So we need to spend time with God every day. Mm-hmm. But while we're working, we should offer all of our work to God and everything that we do throughout the week should be offered to God. We should have time set aside for prayer and especially that examin- examination of conscience every day. Examination of our life too. Do I really believe that my primary purpose here on earth is to get to heaven? I hope so. And if I do believe that, am I really living my life that way? Or am I living my life as if I have a finality in this world? That I am the master of my destination and I need to make sure that I have insurance for in case of any emergency, I have to be prepared. Or am I trusting the Lord that he will provide for me as long as I have really tried and done my best? You know, Mary, it brings back a book I read called Searching for, uh, for and Maintaining Peace. And the author, the priest, said, how many of us, for example, hesitate to give their entire lives to God because they do not have the confidence that God is capable of making them completely happy? And they seek to assure their own happiness by themselves, and they make themselves sad, unhappy in the process. To me, that's a a pretty good example of what our culture has done. Absolutely. So, Mary, let's get to if, let's let's get to our our, our Bible um, verses that we've been. Where are we at on the Gospel of Mark right uh, now? We're in chapter seven here, nope, and chapter and seven. just before we go to that, I just do want to remind people the first reading right now oh, for, for ordinary Hebrews, time yeah. in the second week. We're reading the book of Hebrews, and I really encourage Great everyone. Book. Read the book of Hebrews. It's it's very powerful. It almost didn't make it into the Protestant Bible, right? Well, it almost didn't make it into the Catholic I Bible. I know, I know. <laughs> Any Bible at all. Yeah. They, they had a long discussion about it because they weren't. there were those who weren't sure, even back at the time of the Fathers of the Church, who in the biggest discussion went on between St. Jerome and St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Jerome was a scripture scholar, said, I can't guarantee you that this was written by Paul, so we don't know if it was written by an apostle, so why should we have it part of the scriptures? Mm-hmm. And he and Paul had letters going back and forth 
forth and back and forth and it was getting pretty i mean they, you know discussions back then that they, they heated. got heated heated yeah you know when you're passionate about something it's okay to have a heated discussion but in charity and eventually you know augustine was the bishop yeah. right jerome was a scripture scholar so finally jerome said you know all this heated discussion we're having is causing scandal among the faithful mm-hmm. and i need to just say you know what the bishops think that the letter of the Hebrews should be part of the scriptures. I need to acquiesce to the church. He acquiesced to authority, didn't he? He acquiesced to authority. Uh, we do. We have to do the same, don't we? We need to do that. We need to humble ourselves and acquiesce to authority. So the, the letter to the Hebrews has, I mean, that's a little history behind the letter to the Hebrews getting into the scriptures, which you might not have known. But so even not only is the letter itself very instructive as to mm-hmm. how we should live the faith and what we need to believe about who Jesus Christ really is, but it's also instructive as to how we should humble ourselves when we don't quite understand everything and know that the church has the authority to teach. Well said. We're going to come back after a quick break, continue on Mark chapter 7. At the break time, call your friends for us. Say, hey, we got a Bible study going on, and you don't even have to leave your house. Amen, and it's Catholic. And it's convenient. <laughs> it's convenient. And it's you can right do this there. on a podcast. If you can't hear it now, just go. go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and you can hear it 24-7. All the old shows, I might add. Yeah. Any show here at Virgin Most Powerful, it's podcast. Absolutely. And so at your convenience, you can listen to these shows. And again, I want to invite you. Tonight, we normally have the Bible study for my wife at the Sacred Heart Chapel. But because it's the feast, we do a, the St. Charbel feast every the 22nd of each month at 730. There'll be a special mass with the blessing of the true relic of St. Charbel. There'll be the anointing of the sick. We'd love to see you there because we're going to be there, God willing. Please God, and when there. we come back, we'll get right into the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 7. Bring your Bible back. We're with the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. 
Well, welcome back here. And we're going to start with Mark chapter 7, verse 1. And what do you have going on here? Well, the Pharisees have gathered together to him with some of the scribes who came from Jerusalem. And they saw that some of the disciples ate with their hands defiled. Uh Uh-oh. That is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they purify themselves. And there are many other traditions which they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and vessels of bronze. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with hands defiled? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy, Of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold fast the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. He who speaks evil of father or mother, let him surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, what you have gained, what you would have gained from me is korban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God Mm. through your traditions, which you hand on, and many such things you do. Now, there's lots going on here. The apostles are eating, and they haven't washed their hands. And, of course, the scribes and the Pharisees are always scrutinizing Jesus and his apostles. They're looking, okay, where are they breaking the law? And it is very legalistic. And it's interesting here. Um, You might think that the purpose of their hand washing was hygiene. Yeah. And, of course, in those days, that would have been very practical. But it's not just hygiene. You see, this idea actually comes from... Exodus 30, 17 and following, where in the law, the priests, before they offer worship in the temple, are required to wash their hands. Mm. I wonder where we get the tradition of hand washing at the... At the mass. At the mass, the time of offertory. Hmm. You know, I wonder if there's any roots there. Maybe there's a connection. Yeah. So they're supposed to wash their hands. So it's actually, it's connection with worship. Mm. And so the, tradu- the Jewish tradition had extended this to all Jews before every meal. Wow. But why? Why would you, every meal, wait a minute, what's going on? In an effort to give meals a religious significance, which was reflected in the blessings which marked, marked the start of the meals. So the ritual purification was a symbol of the moral purity with which a person should have well if they're going to approach god they should be approaching god with this moral purity of course the pharisees have focused on the external right and jesus is trying to restore to them the genuine meaning of the precept of the law whose purpose is to teach the right way to render homage to god and so the jews wanted even the meals they ate to be a worship of god hmm i wonder where christians got the idea that the practice of the present moment mm-hmm. and to consciously live in the present moment and offer everything to God as an act of worship and sacrifice. Mary, the Jews didn't have past, present, and future, correct? That's what Father McGuire shared with us on a retreat. And so their mentality was the presence of God was there all the time. All the time. And I think we can learn from our our Jewish brothers right. that whole aspect of living in the presence of God. So I just think that that's something that the mentality was there at that time of Jesus Christ. And I think we can pick up on that. And and again, the saints have all said the same thing. St. Alphonsus Liguori said living in the presence of God is the key to the spiritual life. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the basis. This is the foundation. You're not, if you, you can't build a, a good spiritual life, if you're not living in the presence of God and just mm-hmm. a shout out there to all, you know, there's a lot of Eastern mysticism oh, yeah. that's coming from Eastern forms of religion that's creeping into the West because we've lost our authentic Christian mysticism that's right. and this mindfulness training that actually comes from um, Buddhism in Tibet. And it's, it's, 
in Christians, for Christians, what we want, we're not trying, remember the Eastern re religions, the basis of their religion is to escape the body. You know, Buddha, the meeting between Buddha and Christ, and Buddha is the beautiful water lily that grows in the rancid water, but he has risen out of the rancid water, and he has removed himself from all the muck. Mm -hmm. And so what does Jesus Christ do when Buddha gives him the bowl full of water with the lily? Jesus pushes the lily aside, and he drinks the water. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't try to escape the human reality. He takes on human flesh, and he lives among men. And so as Christians, we don't want to try and escape the, the reality of our daily life, the drudgery, the humdrum, that is our sanctification. And so as the Jews wanted to sanctify every meal and everything they did by being mindful of the presence of God constantly in their lives, so we too as Christians, we're not looking for mindfulness training where we're trying to um, escape the realities of life by disciplining ourselves so that we never feel our emotions and that we can ignore the needs of the body. We want to take care of the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be mindful of the presence of God and worship God in everything we do. We tell his worth when we do the humdrum. Why do we keep clean? Why do we clean our house? Why don't we just live in the dirt? Because we're not animals. Right. We have a dignity. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So every member of our family, their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we want to keep the house clean to be to to express that dignity. By the way, that's why we watch the entertainments. Be careful about what you entertain. That's why we don't want to allow ourselves to slip into the trap of using a lot of four-letter words that are degrading to the human person in our language. I mean, they're four-letter words that are good, you know? Mm -hmm. Hard, work, you know, good four-letter words. But there are other four-letter words that every time you say them, you're actually degrading yourself as a human person. You're dragging yourself down. And so... We want to live in this presence of God. We want to be aware of God's presence and do everything consciously for the love of God. It's called disciplining the mind. Mm -hmm. And Father Hardin couldn't insist enough. The servant of God, servant of God or venerable? Servant of God. Servant of God, Father John Hardin, the Jesuit, died in the odor of sanctity. He couldn't insist enough on this necessity that we have to discipline our minds to be always conscious of the fact that God is present to us and that everything that we are doing should be for the building up of the kingdom of the Lord, for the glory of his name, that his kingdom would come and his will be done. Before we get back to that Bible verse, too, I want to just say, think about what Bishop Sheen said about this, that a little boy who stole some candy yeah. at a candy store and he was going to confession, and Bishop Sheen said, Johnny, you know, did you, you stole that candy? Did you know that? Your guardian angel was with you, that God <laughs> was watching you? No, Father. If I'd have known that, I wouldn't have stolen the candy. So there's a practical aspect of living in the presence of God. You're not as easily going to go to do something sinful and offensive yeah. to God knowing that he's there. Exactly. exactly. And that's absolutely true. And thank you for bringing that up because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful illustration. So going back to this passage, um, Interesting, if you read this passage, you notice that Mark is explaining the custom of the Jews. Well, why does he have to explain their customs? Well, Mark, we know from tradition, is writing the gospel as it was preached by Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter went to Rome. He preached the gospel in Rome. And so by the time Mark is writing this gospel, Peter's in Rome, and he's having to explain to the Gentile converts mm -hmm. these Jewish traditions that they wouldn't have understood. And it's interesting because the church tells us that, you know, Scripture isn't straightforward. And the fathers of the church never said that Scripture was straightforward. And they never taught that everybody can just read the Scriptures and understand it. Jesus Christ gave us the authority of the church to help us to understand the Scriptures because it's not straightforward. But, you know, some people think Catholics are forbidden to read the Bible. Well, go to Mass. Go to daily Mass. Go to Mass every Sunday. And listen to what's read there. By the way, we're not allowed to read anything other than Scriptures for the readings at Mass. So... You know, but also there's supposed to be an explanation. We're supposed to be given explanations as to what it means so that we can understand how to apply it to our lives. And so just like Mark explains the tradition of the Jews, the church explains to us the scriptures. And in Vatican II, the church said this to the bishops. It is for the bishops suitably to instruct the faithful by giving them translations of the scripture texts 
which are equipped with necessary and really adequate explanations. Mm -hmm. Thus, the children of the church can familiarize themselves safely and profitably with sacred scripture and become steeped in their spirit. You know, Mary, in the Acts of the Apostles, there was an Ethiopian eunuch on a little carriage, mm -hmm. and he, we're reading the scriptures, and he says, how can I understand this unless somebody's there to help me interpret it? Right. And that's Holy Mother the Church. And that's Holy Mother and, the Church. And you know what's a good example of what happens when you don't have the church? Mm. I've met a man who read the Bible 86 times, yeah. and he's all mixed up. Yeah. Okay, he started his, his own church, and he's yeah. got you know, all these branches. If that was true, that it was this the Bible alone, Right. Then he'd have a, he'd, no problem. But you see, the church is necessary for you to understand the Bible. And we call that catechesis, the catechism right. of the Catholic Church that's on the table. That's right. That's so biblical, but it helps us understand the scriptures. That's Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that's the scriptures are not so straightforward. And we do need someone to interpret them and explain them to us. And that's why Jesus Christ founded a church. That's right. And by the way, you know, there's some people out there who say we have to take the church back. Well, no, no, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. The church doesn't belong to us. Nope. The church is the mystical body of Christ. It is his bride. The church is the vehicle that God established to bring us the means of salvation. And we have to be faithful to the church and we need to pray for the church that she be renewed so that when there's scandal in the church, yes. those who are causing the scandal be converted Absolutely. and brought back to Christ and that we too be converted and brought to Christ. And that's the role of Virgin Most Powerful Radio as we celebrate one year anniversary this week in the month of January of last year, we started broadcasting. I want to take the time to thank all those monthly donors every Amen. day. Thank you. I know because that's how we pay our bills. And if you'd like to become a monthly donor for Virgin Most Powerful. You say, wow, you guys got Jesus 911. You got Jerry Machuda. You got all these great material. You got Dr. Ed Mazza's The Bar of History. You got Matthew Arnold's, you know, a show on Wednesday, on uh, what day is he? A Friday. All kinds of good programming. We do that, but it does cost money to yes, produce it, it. As a matter of fact, I have to buy a couple thousand dollar piece of equipment for more AM and FM stations that will be able to pick up our. Our, our signal because we don't have the equipment to send out multiple ones. We have several, we have enough, but if we're going to be doing more and more stations, which we want to, we need the equipment to deliver that. And if somebody wants to write a thousand dollar check, $500 <laughs> check, that sure would help buy that piece of equipment so that other stations around the world and the country can pick up Virgin Most Powerful because we do it for free. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org if you want to make a donation that way or call us at 877-526-2151. When we come back, there'll be more with the Bible with the Barbers, the Gospel of Mark. We're reading it. Tell your friends. This is a free Bible study online right now on your, <laughs> on your computer or your smartphone. I know it. I love it. We'll be back with more. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support 
because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Jesse. We appreciate that. The Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle is here going through the Gospel of Mark. Where are we at now, my love? All right. So this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What verse are we on? So we we're, verse, just, we're at verse... Six here in okay. the chapter seven, verse six, yep. We're moving kind of slow against like, through this first part here. There's a lot here. But and this is the examination for us. You know, don't let's not point the fingers backwards. Yeah. Am I honoring the Lord in my heart or am I just trying to do going through the external practices and not changing my life? You know, am I saying, well, you know, I don't really have to keep the Ten Commandments. Those are ten suggestions, you know, and <laughs> and everybody's going to heaven anyway, so I don't need to work at it. And am I honoring the Lord with my heart? Have I truly given my whole life over to him? And he gave some examples of how, and I know the Catholic Church is oftentimes, by people who don't understand the Catholic Church, um, accused of replacing God's law with man's law. But you see, the church has never, in her official teachings, ever told anyone they don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. That's why we have the sacrament of confession, you know, your examination of conscience. What is it? It's the Ten Commandments. You have to keep the law. What the scribes and Pharisees did is they told people, well, look, if you don't want to support your parents, just say that what you have is korban, that is dedicated to the oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what did that mean? That you're giving it to the church right now? No, it meant that you could do whatever you wanted with your money and your property and whatever, and you could spend it. You could wine women in song and waste it. And then when you die, you got nothing, and you haven't taken care of your parents either. It wasn't about serving the Lord. It was about giving selfishness. People, it was about selfishness oh, and giving people an out and allowing them to live a selfish life. Yep. And that's what that's what God, Jesus was talking about. You know, it's kind of like the you know law of divorce that Moses allowed divorce. Well, why? Hardness out of the hardness of your heart. This wasn't what God had wanted. Yep. And Jesus had to correct him on it. So that's the kind of thing Jesus was talking about. He's not talking about the fact that the church tells us over and over again, in many ways, all the time, constantly, you have to keep the Ten Commandments. Yep. So, and then what? The people, you know, they're there, and um, the people called him, and he called the people to meet him and said to them, hear all of you and understand. There is nothing outside of a man which by going into him can defile him. The things that come out of a man are what defile him. And when he has, had entered the house and the people left, the apostles are like, what do you mean? <laughs> they didn't understand. Nope. And Jesus says, you don't understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a man from outside cannot defile him? Since it is not, it enters not into his heart, but his stomach. So he's obviously talking about food here. Mm -hmm. Okay, He's not talking about everything that comes from outside. He's talking about right. he's being specific, specific yep. food. And enters the stomach and passes on. Thus he declares all foods clean. And he says, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. From within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within, and they defile a man. So it's not the foods we eat that defile us. It's what comes from our heart. And what does he say here? It's interesting. You might say this is a, this is 
a summary of the Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. Evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. We can't stand before God and say, I, don't, I can ignore the Ten Commandments. All of us are called to live a holy life, a life in union with God. All sin offends God. All sin is offensive to God, and it defiles man. It degrades us. You know, when people start living just to, to serve their flesh, to, deserve, to serve the wants of their flesh, to serve actually their fleshly pleasures, they become worse than animals. I'm going to be politically incorrect on the Bible for the barbers right now. <laughs> nah, like never, he would never do no, this. No, you guys know me better. <laughs> but I say this because of the commandments. We seem to want to justify our actions. We call this irregular unions, yeah. where somebody is living in a second marriage, but they're not married to that in the eyes of God. They're living in an adultery. They're living in life. adultery. And somehow out of false compassion. And I mean, I'm serious. They, they want the good for that family. They want to help you. But sometimes we have come to uh, be compromising the commandments of Jesus, and we just don't have the authority to change it. As Bishop Athanasius Snyder said, that nobody in the church has the right, has an authority to change any of the commandments, whether it's the sixth or ninth commandment. Exactly. And so I'm only mentioning this because I think we've sometimes... It, it coming to a false compassion. I call it a fake mercy. Right. They want you to be merciful, but you know what? It's the truth that sets people free. Exactly. And I would just encourage our listeners, and I say this because we have our own relatives that we've had to acknowledge that we agree to disagree. We agree to disagree. You're not living in a sacramental marriage. Yeah. You married someone who was divorced. You're living outside of the realm of God's grace, as far as we know. Right. And so you need to try and rectify that situation and have your marriage blessed within the church. Have, you know, if, 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 and granted, go through the hard work. Go through the hard work. If you have to abstain from marital relations for a while because you're living with someone who was married before or you were married before and you're in a second marriage, well, then live as brother and sister. Pray together. Don't. Every and, day. And also, you know, renew the marriage vows that you made to each other, especially if you have children, for the good of the children. Renew those and pray with the children but have your marriage looked at by the church and go through That's the right. hard work That's right. and see. See, maybe your marriage can be blessed in the church. Maybe the sure. first marriage wasn't. By the way, annulment is not divorce Catholic style. Good point. An annulment is a declaration that there never was a marriage valid, to valid begin marriage, with. Yep. And so in order for there to be a valid marriage, certain things have to be present. Okay? You, you have to freely consent um, you have to know that this union is for life and you have to mean it to be for life and you have to be open to life. Okay. I'm marrying one person and one person only. I'm going to be faithful to them for life. It is for life. It's open to life and I'm free to marry. Mary, I know this is getting off the topic, but I know our listeners are like, yeah, I need to know about this. So let's take the point where maybe when they got married, they weren't really aware of the commitment but can't that be fulfilled later in the marriage? Yes, it can. Absolutely. And, you know, in one sense, any marriage can be annulled if, if we were, are not careful. Because how many of us really understood what kind of suffering was going to come down the line and what kind of commitment that was going to take? But there are impediments that can be supplied after the fact. Well, let's say, for example, you got married. And I was like, we're getting off on this, but I know you want this. <laughs> and let's say you weren't open for children. You right. decided to get married, but you said, you know what? My wife and I, we're married, but you know what? We're not interested. Is that a valid marriage? No, it's not a valid marriage. Well, what happens if you have a baby and you welcome that baby? Guess what? The impediment has been supplied for. There you go. It? Now, you're supposed to remain open to life. That's right. But, but the fact that you had the child, that impediment was supplied for. So that's no longer an impediment. Right. But yes, you cannot, you cannot say, I'm not going to have children, and, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to marry you because that's not a marriage. Because the purpose of marriage is procreation and the mutual sanctification of the spouses. You're supposed to help one another get to heaven. So you're supposed to help one another live in union with God and live according to his commandments and always open to life. That doesn't mean you have to have a baby every year. By the way, you're supposed to be responsible in your parenthood. You're supposed, children need nurture. 
They need affection. Right. It's very difficult for a family that's having a baby every year to give their children the affection that they need. But here's the deal. Women, nurse your babies. Go to La Leche League. Find the help you need. Learn how to nurse your children. And La Leche League mentions that you have to do what's called ecologically breastfeeding. You don't put your baby that's breastfed on a schedule. Okay. Once you do that, it's no longer going to space the children. Mm-hmm. But you ecologically, that is, you nurse the baby on demand. And by the way, the pacifiers, I understand they're convenient, but that baby needs mama. Try and nurse the child. When the, when instead of giving them a pacifier, let them suckle at the breast. They need that assurance. That actually is an emotional bonding that the child needs. The, the pacifier doesn't give them that emotional bonding that they need. And I know people just don't know this. It's just not known. Well, Mary, that's why I asked you to get off on this topic because <laughs> you and I get on. If you're at our home, you'd be hearing conversations <laughs> like this. So we kind of thought we'd put up a chair for you at the de- at our breakfast nook to chat about. Let's get back to our Bible verses now. So it's not what goes into the man. It's not the food you eat that defiles you, but what comes out of your heart. So guard your heart. Guard your heart against sin. Guard your heart. And by the way, in the scandalous times we're living in, guard your heart against the anger. Mm. If you see evil happening, you should feel the emotion of anger. Mm. Got it. Okay. But Jesus, I don't consent to the sin of anger. And then you have to ask yourself, is it my place really to correct this evil? And, you know, sometimes in regards to the church, it's not my place to correct the bishops or the priests. I can write a letter to my bishop and say, I see this going on. Can this be corrected? But I have to pray and sacrifice, go to mass for them, have masses offered for them, fast for them, offer extra rosaries for them, make holy hours for them, send your bishops mass cards, send them spiritual bouquets, you know. We really need to pray for our priests and bishops. They're under a lot of attack. Absolutely. And what I'm hearing you say, you're not in uh, sale, uh, not in management in the church. You're in sales, exactly. selling the Bible. There you go. Uh, Steve Ray was on yesterday on the Terry and Jesse show, and he, he basically mimicked what you said, but awesome. he also said <laughs> that we should be giving mass cards to our priests on a regular basis, regular basis and affirming them when they say when they have a homily and they're defending life on Hermana Vitae or they say something really good. Amen. Don't just say, well, it's about time I heard someone say that. No. no. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Thank Father, you. for that. You're doing, we really appreciate you speaking the truth the with truth. charity. Amen. And I think that if we do more of that, I think it's going to give our priests more confidence, confidence to speak the truth in charity. Exactly, exactly. Hey, we're going to take another quick break. We went through that segment. Oh, well, when you talk about um, (laughs) babies with my wife, prepare to stay for a while. Isn't that right? (laughs) Amen. Yeah, we love them. Hey, and Mary, uh, just a quick teaser. What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm going to have to ask you later about little uh, little areas in the church for for the kids. I don't think you like too much about that. Right? Crying rooms. Crying rooms. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's my teaser to come back. Wait till you hear what she has to say about <laughs> crying rooms. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. We're having fun with the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we're gonna come right back after this quick timeout. Don't turn that dial. You're on with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. 
We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So Terry wanted me to comment a little bit about those those little rooms yeah, that are have fires. about enough room for, you know, maybe 15, 20 people comfortably, and they're pretty stuffy, and a lot of times they smell pretty bad, and... Um, I my opinion is those rooms should have a sign on them. Yeah, what's the sign? This room is reserved for those people who are bothered by the sound of children during mass. Ooh, boy, you're opinionated. <laughs> well, the deal is children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift, and it's life. We're supposed to be welcoming life. Every married couple that get married in the Catholic Church is supposed to welcome life. Unfortunately, we've had some priests tell us that anywhere from 50 to 80% of Catholic couples are using contraception in their marriage. No. Artificial contraceptives is intrinsically evil. By its nature, it is opposed to what God and has made. And why is it intrinsically evil? Because I don't think people hear that very often. Intrinsic means by its nature. And because God made marriage. Marriage came from God. It didn't come from man. Okay? And in marriage, he joined love and life. Because in God, there is love and life. God is not a solitude unto himself. He is a trinity of persons. He is fruitful. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the original family because he is Father, he is Son, and the essence of the family, which is love. And you see in marriage, this is supposed to be reflected. It's also supposed to reflect marriage. It's supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church, which is also fruitful. So when you have this um, contraceptive mentality, you take away the fruitfulness of marriage, Mm -hmm. which is very dangerous. It degrades the human person, by the way. And for all those people out there who are contemplating sterilization, I want to ask you a question. Why do you hate yourself so much? You see, self-mutilation is recognized as a form of self-hatred. Sterilization is a form of self-mutilation. I'm not talking about someone who has cancer and has to have a body part removed in order to save the rest of the organism because the cancer is threatening them. I'm talking about someone who is perfectly normal and healthy. You know, it's perfectly normal and healthy, by the way, to be fruitful to be, to be fertile and have children. And so people want to render themselves infertile. They want to mutilate their bodies. You know, Mary, the statistics show that when a couple is fruitful and they're not using contraceptives, uh, the amount of divorce is a couple percent. Yes, okay? yes. And when people use contraceptives, uh, divorce is like 50%. Yeah. So if you want to foolproof your marriage, one of the things you do is you don't use contraceptives. Right. You be open to life. Because and- let's face it, what happens, I'm a man. What happens is, she's a woman. I got married her 30 some years ago. <laughs> but here's the point. If I uh, am not open to life, then I'm really uh, using my wife right. rather than communing with my wife. Exactly. And uh, that's not what the church teaches, but the world teaches that. And we've gotten to almost like recreational sex. And what I mean by that is people are not at all open to life. It's all about me. And so I just want to make that point that as as Catholic Christians, and we're committed to biblical teachings, this is so biblical that, you know, when Humanae Vitae came out, 40 years ago, 45 years ago, 1968, 
and the world was like, oh, I wish the church would have changed that teaching. It couldn't change the teaching because they can't can't change change what the Bible teaches. It's a higher form. The church is the custodian of these teachings, not the grantor saying what can be taught. Right. Okay, let's get back. I'm, I'm sorry, I got a little carried away. And so, but the reality, this is why my problem with the crying rooms is that if every couple is supposed to be open to life and they're accepting children willingly and lovingly as God sends them, yeah. then the whole church needs to be open to receiving children in a parish church. We're not a monastery. If you want absolute silence, please go to a monastery. They have monasteries and you, they, they have Sunday masses and you can go there. But children are welcome in our churches. Children are, they're the future. They're we need to be open to life. We need to welcome the children. And these crying rooms, <clears throat> by their very size, <clears throat> excuse me, the frog in the throat here, by their very size, they're saying, not, you know, it's not printed on them, but by their size, what are they saying? Children aren't welcome here. That is an absolute tragedy. And it's a lie. If Jesus Christ, remember, Jesus had this problem with his apostles. By the way, this, just, you know, this isn't a new problem in the church. The, the women were bringing their children to Jesus so that he could bless them. And what do the apostles do? Take those kids out of here. Get those away from here. He's tired. He doesn't have time for this. Yeah. And Jesus says, no, Bring the children. suffer the little children to come unto me. Yep. We need to wake up in the Catholic Church and realize we need to suffer the little children to come unto Jesus. Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament. Why aren't we bringing our children to church? (laughs) Well, some people aren't because they bring their children to church and people give them dirty looks if their kids make any noise. You know, Mary, I'll just give the statistics and I'll throw it right back to 87% of our kids right now by the time they're 23 are not practicing the faith. So what that tells me is this. They, they were not teaching them the faith. Right. And especially with kids with the Eucharist, when you bring little kids to say, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And they understand that. And I got to say that, unfortunately, too many adults don't even understand what little kids can understand as children. That's true. We need to be childlike before God. Amen. We need to be simple and we need to accept the truths. And we, we need to be open. Amen. So we need to bring the children to Jesus. Amen. And we need to examine our hearts and ask the Lord to purify our hearts of all this wickedness and this hatred of children. Remember, the, the hatred of children comes from the, the devil. Why do I say that? Because Jesus Christ became a child. Mm-hmm. And in that passage in Luke's gospel where it says, let the little children come to me, he uses the same word for child as he uses when he describes the shepherds finding the baby Jesus Mm. in the crib. The child is always first and foremost Jesus. Welcome Jesus in the children and welcome them and teach them about how much Jesus loves them and let them come to Jesus. So let's not interfere anymore with the children coming and welcome the children and bring them. I think it's appropriate because this is the verse. This is the anniversary of a tragic decision in America. Roe versus Wade back in 1973 when I'll date us. We were in high school. Yeah. And we remember that infamous day. It was infamous and it was tragic. It was a day when and, and everybody said, oh, well, the people wanted abortion. Oh, they did. The people were sitting on the Supreme Court. It wasn't even a unanimous decision. No. And, and yet five men on the Supreme Court were able to decide the fate of millions of our defenseless citizens. Yeah. Five men on the Supreme Court made a decision that allowed millions of our defenseless citizens. And in addition to that, it's not just the children who suffer. Their, their mothers suffer. Oh, their yeah. fathers suffer. Oh. And their siblings suffer. Everyone suffers from this. Amen. And uh, so Amen. back to we're, we're here back in, in the Bible and we're back with mm-hmm. after after that, um, you know, the evil comes out from your heart. Then there's this Syrophoenician woman who comes up. She's a Greek. She's not a Jew. And she wants Jesus to cure her daughter. And Jesus says, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. What's that mean? <laughs> and the, 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 and he uses he actually uses the phrase little dogs, yeah. which makes it a little less offensive to the yeah. woman hearing it. Because the Hebrews called the Greeks little dogs Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. They didn't know God, so they must be little dogs. But her response is what's so amazing. Jesus is, as it were, testing her faith. It's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. I I came for the, the Hebrews. I'm supposed to take care of them first. And she says, but Lord, please, even the dogs 
get to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. Her, she's, she's unabashed. She's not, she's not going to walk away and feel sorry for herself. Oh, he called me a little dog. He's like every other Jew. I thought he was something different. And oh, he's just, he's just like every other Jew. And I'm just going to forget it. And it's like, no, no. The heart of a mother who really cares for her child, and she's willing to suffer any insult, and she, she doesn't take it as a, it's like, you know what, so what? No, you can do this. I know you can do this. And I beg you to do it because even the little dogs get to eat what falls. And I'm sure there are enough scraps for all of us. The faith of this woman. Do we have this kind of faith? Or does it, you know, we ask Jesus for something and, he, and we don't get it within five days or a week or a, a, a novena, nine days. And, and we're like, oh, forget it. He didn't listen to me. He doesn't, you know, how many people have said to you, Jesus doesn't answer prayers? Whoa. Yes, he does. Just because you don't get your answer instantaneously. And also, God sometimes says no. Yes, he does say no sometimes. What and, are we asking for? And, you know, one of the principles you and I have talked about for decades is every day asking Jesus Christ for more faith. Amen. Every day. Every day. And if you do that, I guarantee you. You will get more faith. Thank you, Mary. And ask, ask for more faith, hope, and charity every yep, day. Because exactly. we need to love our neighbors and we need to love our enemies. We need to love those who hurt us. And sometimes the people who hurt us the most are the people in our own family. True. And we need to be able to forgive them. You can acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge the emotional response, but don't let the emotional response dictate your life. And don't hang on to the anger because the anger is only going to destroy you. You say, Jesus, I don't consent to the sin of anger, but this person did this injustice toward me. Can we work this out? Show me the way, Lord. Open my eyes to see. Help me to, to live with this person in peace and help us to work out our differences. And sometimes if a person, there's some things, you know, if a person is, every time you go near them, they beat you up physically, emotionally, you might need to cut off relations with them, but don't hate them. Mary, you've been answering questions for about a year now on Virgin Most Powerful on the app. And there were some questions. I noticed those. I, I look at your answers and I'm glad you're doing that. <laughs> and I couldn't do what you do. But one of the questions came up about translations. And I thought you could publicly on our radio show here answer what translations would you endorse for people reading the Bible? In other words, whether it's a, a RSV or Ameri New American, what, give us a little feedback on what good, you know, what, what translations we should be reading from. Well, I think that the Ignatius Bible, the RSV, they use the RSV, and it's, it's really an excellent translation. Got it right here. Um, the New American is not a real good translation. There's some really it's weak. weak passages, yeah. to say the best. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, nice. that's, that's being generous. I am. Uh, the New Jerusalem is not a real good translation. And, you know, the, the idea of the Bible just, just dumbing it down to make it accessible, in other words, to make people feel good, that's not what the scripture is all about. The, the Dewey good translation. The Dewey is old, but very, very good. That's yes. my take on it. What's your take on that? The Dewey is a good translation. That that Bible was actually Dewey translated. Reams, the Dewey Reims was, his name comes from the place in France where it was translated. That was translated by the, the men who were preparing to be priests to go back to England to be martyred wow. under Queen Elizabeth. Wow. Elizabeth didn't want any Catholic priests in her in her reign because they would teach the Catholic people their faith and then the Catholic people would want to be Catholic. We can't have that because we don't want to be Catholic anymore. And so um, those men are the ones who translated the Douay Reims. They didn't know that. You see how you learn something every time you come to the Bible with the barbers? I even learned that. I didn't know that about the Dewey. I want to thank you for joining us for this Bible study. Tell your friends. Say, hey, you know, you don't have to go drive out tonight, tomorrow. You do it on your time because it's a podcast. You can listen to this Bible study anytime you want or any of the shows on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you again, and may God richly bless you. And let's make a little reparation for today on this feast, not feast, on this infamous day of the 22nd of January regarding the Roe versus Wade decision. May God bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere. 
and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.